0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm reporting for duty.
1: Terry, what about you? I'm reporting for duty, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady also. And I'm reporting for duty. Jesse, every time you say that, you know it doesn't take much to get fired up. I'm fired up about preaching the gospel. And I'll tell you why. The world out there right now, folks, let's agree, who's influencing who? It's time for us to stand up and stand up for Jesus. And I'm going to tell the story a little later, the last segment, of how one city is trying to uh, stop the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's a teaser. and I'll tell you how that's happened Mm -hmm. at the end. Just, uh, we're going to have Father Matthew come on and give his discussion. And we're going to interview him about a new book called The Imitation of St. Joseph. You know my line about St. Joseph? He spoke with his hands. <laughs> you like that good, line? I like that? Yeah, I it's one of yeah. my reflections and I want to see if Father agrees with that cuz I actually think it's it's possible that he built the table that the last supper was on uh and that's just my you know it's speculation but I have a great love for St Joseph and I know you will too when we listen to Father. Also, we're going to talk about proper reverence for mass and who are we going to go to? St John Vianney. And this mm-hmm. is very important because as you know, everybody knows this you go to a Catholic church today, you walk in. I was out of town over the weekend, and I, was, I got there about 20 minutes early with my na- my grandson mm-hmm. and my wife, and people are just standing talking like they're in the hall. Why? Because mm. this hasn't been formed for years, 60 years. People don't have this respect we need to talk about. But just, uh, I got some uh, a good news story that um, I think is good The New Mexico City passed pro-life ordinances to make it harder for abortion facilities to open. Now, that's a state, Jesse, that the Democrats who apply their Mm. their their platform to say we're for abortion. But uh, there are some Republican leaders who are Christian who are saying, hey, we can fight back and save some lives. That's my good news story, brother.
0: I love it. Uh, Also, Terry, another voice. that's joined in the chorus with yours and mine and many yeah, other bishops. Sure. Uh, Mother Miriam, she said the following quote, <laughs> if you're still a Democrat, you are in the party of death.
1: Exactly. Of thank course.
0: you. Thank, thank you, Mother Miriam, for your voice of clarity. She, many other people are saying the same thing. Also, by the way, uh, on, on, on yesterday, Sunday, what an incredible day in the Nova Sordo calendar. Mm-hmm. It was the it, yesterday we celebrated the Solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And it was Pope Pius XI. He instituted this feast in 1925. Yep. And it was his response to an increase in secular humanism and That's atheism. Right. That's right. And what's the answer? Christ the King. Christ the King is the answer to all human problems. Christ the King is one of the most important titles of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, even though Jesus Christ was not a king in the earthly sense. He is now and forevermore the king of the universe. And he he unites all creation to God the Father, to those that live and die in a state of grace. And those people, Terry, that were kings on earth, uh, if they don't repent and turn to Jesus Christ, the true king of the universe, boy, oh, boy, they're not going to have. Uh, they're not even. To, they're not even going to be in the spectator section on the uh, when uh, on the other
1: side. Jesse, just a quick note. Bishop Strickland and I, we did a show last week. It's going to be broadcast tomorrow after our show. Guess what the title of the show is? Christ the King. And what mm. Bishop Strickland realized, and he even said it humbly to me, that you know Terry, I never really read the document. When I read the document of Pope Pius XI, and said yet that, that Christ's reign is over governments. He didn't realize that was... And, and I tell you, Jesse, and you, you've done this already for 60 years. We haven't been implementing that document and say, wait a minute, the government can say this, but you know, we have to realize that that's their position. No, no, Jesus Christ is king over all governments.
0: Yeah, that's called the social kingship of Christ. And the document it, it basically says, it, one s- sentence yeah. that captures everything, yes. Pope Pius XI says, uh, he says, the reason that we have manifold evils in the world today is because Christ is not king of individual hearts and he's not king of nations. Amen. And uh, that that, that the, that's the problem. Yep. The problem of secular humanism which is diabolic. You, I even just just Tell was me. reading an article yeah. the top satanist in this country said oh yeah he says our religion is secular humanism it's it's satanic. That's that's what Satan likes is secular humanism. This is said by the top Satanists in the United States, so they admit that worldliness and worldly thinking and 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 the contempt of God that's satanic. That's part of Satanism.
1: And just before we get to the good news, I just want to say something. I was in Tehachapi, California, where the Norbertine sisters are, and uh, there's a school that uh, is starting a Satan uh, club, and uh, the people in Tehachapi went nuts. And I just want to show you again that it's great. The Christians, Protestant and Catholic, are saying, not on our watch. See, Jesse, we have to respond. But anyway, I had to give that little tidbit because I was there yesterday.
0: Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, and it's also, uh, I, I think, uh, in in San Bernardino, I think they want to do another one. And the people in San Bernardino as well, they're, they're revolting, which is good. good to see, Terry.
1: Fight back, push back. Hey, Jess, let's get, push some, back let's get some gospel teachings into our soul, brother, <laughs> some, get some soul food. food.
0: Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed a poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. The gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesse, I don't normally say this, but I remember Bishop Sheen preaching on that gospel, and yeah. he said, "Don't measure your generosity by how much you give, but rather how much you have left over."
0: Oh wow, that's well, that's that says it all right there. But uh, so, so what are these two copper coins that yeah. this uh, this old widow put in there? The two copper coins, uh, they were they were called in Hebrew lepta. And according to these, uh, to the tradition of the Jews, they were the least valuable Jewish coins that were in circulation. So they would be like equivalent to our pennies.
1: Yeah.
0: So within the the Jewish Temple precincts, there were over a dozen boxes or receptacles for different types of donations. So Saint B he says he gives a commentary on this passage. He says allegorically he says the widow's offering signifies the purity of the church. In contrast to unfaithful Jerusalem, which gives to God only from its surplus, the church is the widow whose husband is Christ, and Christ has died on her behalf. She lives in poverty of spirit and gives devoutly to the Lord's treasury the two coins of charity, the love of God and of neighbor. Wow. Also, what we see here is uh, what uh, what's going on here is that a lot of people just... Basically throw in, you know, hundreds, twenties. It's just from their millions of dollars that they have. Mm-hmm. But this lady, basically she gave all she had. Yep. And so in the eyes of God, who gave more than, uh, a, say, a multi-billionaire who writes, a, I don't know, $500 check, $200 check, $300 check. Or this lady who gave uh, her two last little pennies that she had left, according to the Lord She gave more sacrificially because she gave all she had. And that's what we say all the time. Before you drop dead, make sure you leave it all
1: out in the field for Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. Just there's a special feast day, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yes. According to early tradition, as a small child, the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, was uh, presented by her parents to the the Lord in the temple. The celebration reveals her total dedication to God's service and obedience to God's will. Any other mm. thoughts on that feast, yes.
0: Uh No, that, yeah, that's she was she was dedicated, yep. and, and as young and and the, the tradition is here that she just oh. lived in the temple. Yep, that was uh, she was there just day and night as a little girl, and she kind of knew her destiny was already being she was already being formed to be the mother of the Messiah. Got it. And so she was just. Uh, a, a young virgin mm-hmm. who loved to be in the temple and worship God, Terry. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, sure, a quick hail Mary for all the, the these recruits in the LA Sheriff's Department that were mowed down. What? Yeah, they that were was... mowed down by a driver over there in, in Whittier Boulevard. Yeah, there's like right uh, near me. Yeah, the, so they were they were you know running in formation uh, in this in the streets over in I think it was in Whittier, North and uh-huh. in, in Whittier. Yeah, and some uh, some crazy probably drug addict. They've arrested him, he mowed them, they've arrested him, but Gascon's already released them out on bail. Oh my God! He, he he ran over 25 recruits, they're going to be, and some cops that were there, because the drill instructors are officers, Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how many are dead, some of them have lost their limbs, oh. but it's this is horrible, he ran over 25 recruits that were running in formation from the academy class, so I want to say Hail Mary for all, all right. of them, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Mother of God pray Thank for you. us sinners now and at the
1: hour of our death. Amen. Wow. I'm, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Yeah, it takes my breath away. Uh, yeah, I'm stunned. Hey, let me bring the smartest guy in real quick, Bishop Sheen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's bring him yeah. in. Full Sheen ahead. He's with uh, Bishop Joseph Strickley today. Yeah, full Sheen ahead. Real quick, we got 30 seconds. And Bishop Sheen, as with Bishop Strickland, they're talking about our pro life situation. He says, Bishop Strickland to Bishop Sheen, the tragedy for our nation is our world and our church is that too many choose the values on the right side of this chart, which are on the wrong side of truth. Wake up and repent of these evil choices before it's too late. And what is he referring to? The platform for the Democratic Party? And the platform for the Republican Party. I've been saying that for years, Jess. Mm-hmm. Read the platform and say to your values, are you with those people or are you with the other one? And you can't be vote, You can't be a Democrat and be for killing. You can't be a Republican. You can't be a Democrat and a Catholic because the Democrat Party's policy is killing unborn un, uh, babies. That's Very how clear. it's simple. Very yep. clear. Simple as that. And up next, yep. we've got Father coming on to talk about St. Joseph and his new book, the imitation of St. Joseph from Tan Books. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment.
2: You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Today's a feast day of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And today. What a better day to talk about her husband, St. Joseph. And to talk about her husband, we have Father Matthew cough in the Terry and Jesse Show. Father, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Uh, you got a new book called The Imitation of St. Joseph from 10. It is uh, such a beautiful thing that s- so many people, so many priests are writing books extolling the virtues of St. Joseph. And this is really helping out Catholic men all across the world. So thank you very much, Father. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what parish, what diocese, uh, how long you have been a priest? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Sure. I was ordained in the Jubilee year of 2000, so I'm now 22 years a priest. And I have had many different assignments. I've been a parish priest for a long time, but then at some point the bishop asked me to go back to study. So I went back to Rome and did a license and a doctorate in moral theology. And when I came back, we began to explore the idea of starting up a seminary in our diocese because it's a little known fact that uh, canon law actually asks bishops, if they can, to have a seminary in their own diocese. And so we looked at that, having a wonderful Catholic college here, Belmont Abbey College right down the road, to leverage off of those resources and to begin to create our own uh, seminary so as to not outsource our own fatherhood, but to be able to ultimately uh raise our men here and so i've been working on that for the last many many years since 2016 we started in 2022 now so we're we're well underway
0: wow it seems like you've been busy father and and thank you for saying yes to jesus and thank you for uh uh for for giving us the daily eucharist uh without uh, man with from without which no one will be saved father Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your book the imitation of saint joseph uh the the teachings of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas help people understand, obviously all of us, the depths of our human nature and passions. So how can we imitate St. Joseph better in understanding passions and human nature in light of, uh, of his life?
3: Well, it's a beautiful question. I mean, the first difficulty when we're talking about St. Joseph is there's ultimately so little to go on, right? And so the temptation that we all have when we encounter these figures in history, these saints in history, if we don't have a lot of historical notes, is to simply take the virtues that we want them to have and place Mm -mm. them on top of them, which is great on one level as a display of a virtue, but is it the kind of character that Joseph was? We were told in scriptures Mm. that he was a just man. And as a just man, as you know from your St. Thomas, he that's rendering to someone what they are doing, puts the will in order. And once you have that in order, once you have justice, living and breathing inside of you in some sense, um, it requires that it draw up all the other virtues as well. So you can see in the passages of the scriptures, as scant as they are, um, the way in which, because he's a just man, prudence plays out in his life. You can see the way fortitude plays out in his life. And of course, uh, temperance plays out in his life. So you have the cardinal virtues coming together in St. Joseph, which are the means by which you and I evangelize, not just the intellect and the will, but also our passions. So the way in which we love, what we desire, what we take pleasure in, what sort of fears do we have, and how do we overcome them, etc. The, the principal passions that St. Thomas deals with.
1: Awesome, Father, awesome.
0: I, I think I've also read. I think I heard it was Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. He also said uh, he defined that a, a Jew being called righteous is somebody who's obedient to the to the commandments. So he also said that that's righteousness in Judaism is somebody who's obedient to the commandments. Because the Judaism, they're not a faith-alone religion like Protestants. They believe in obedience as well. So, Terry, you're a big Father, the I, just have, yeah, I
1: have great love for St. Joseph. And I just want to say thank you, Father Matthew. I always say, I said at the beginning of the show, that St. Joseph spoke really strongly with his hands as a carpenter. <laughs> yeah. And my question is, is your estimation why St. Joseph was not mentioned later in the sacred scriptures if he died before our Lord's public ministry, why do you think that was so, Father? I'm just speculating on it.
3: That's a, another great question. I do, in the book, speculate on this very topic, actually. Okay, good. Toward the, end, um, toward the end. So I broke the book up into three different sections, trying to figure out who Joseph actually is. In the first one, since you and I all come from somewhere, which, yeah. even though well, there's a denial of patriarchy now, a denial <laughs> of Father, <a> denial <laughs> of coming from another, right? So yeah. we can create ourselves out of nothing. Um, St. Joseph had a whole lineage that he looked to, and imitated both their virtues, but also eschewed their vices. And so he was also, not just did he inherit all of that, but then he's also beholding all the time the Son of God and Our Lady. So what is he imitating there? But then finally, looking toward Joseph's end, if you look at the contrast between what Joseph was asked to do all of his life, which was to do what? In some sense, it was not to the word, but to keep the word hidden, right? Mm -hmm. Not to pronounce the word, but to to protect and to keep silent the secret of God, because Christ wasn't at a moment in his life in which he was going to reveal himself during Joseph's time. And not only does he keep the secret hidden, but he keeps the child in some sense hidden. And even as he grows into a man, all that hidden life that we speak about in terms of Nazareth, if it's Joseph's task to protect him, if you think about for example, the slaughter of the innocents mm-hmm. and the fact that, just as our Lord said in front of Pilate, he could have sent legions of angels, and he didn't. He just told Joseph. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> in this case, right? Yeah. He just says, you know, God could have stopped anything he wanted at any time. Yeah. And all he did was say to Joseph, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Now, if you're Joseph, you're thinking to yourself, you have all the power of heaven. What do you need me to do something <laughs>
1: exactly
3: mm. exactly what god calls us to do i'm asking you to do something right and i'll give you the grace right. to be able to do it to accomplish it so at the end of his life to answer your question specifically i think that joseph was not going to be asked to allow that protective quality that he had that constant protection of the son to then be overturned because christ was no longer looking for protection at the end of his life he was looking to die mm. And so I think that Joseph was, in some sense, mercifully removed from his vocation, from his office, by death, Yes. to say, now I'm going to Calvary, and I will not ask you to support that, in some sense, right? I will ask you to overturn your whole life worth of protecting me.
1: Very insightful. I had never heard that, Father. Thank you. Man, that's that's like, you got to get, let me just give a plug. I haven't got the book. I'm going to get the book. But people can get it from from uh, Tan Books. That's a great publisher that you're using for your book, Father. And I encourage everyone <clears throat> to go to the website at tanbooks.com to pick up that book.
0: It's called The Imitation of St. Joseph, The Imitation exactly. of St. Joseph. And I think that was pretty smart, Father, the way you took that title Kind of like barring the imitation of Christ.
1: That's what I thought of when it yeah, came out.
0: I said, "Wow, that was very smart to use that because well, listen, it, my my intelligence." <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The
3: publishers they came to me and asked me to write the book. Yeah, because I met St. Joseph Seminary, which is what we named our seminary when we founded it. Awesome, and they are also just in our backyard. Um, I know, okay. I know the owner of Ten Books. He's been a Got friend it. of mine. Since he was in high school. Um, it took over the company from his dad. He's a wonderful, wonderful individual and a good leader. But when he asked me to do the book, of course, my first response was, no, I can't. There's no way I can do a, a book on the imitation of St. Joseph. How do you imitate the voice of someone you've not heard whose face you've not seen? Um, and so I thought it was too daunting of a task. But then, I, of course, I went to go pray and, and uh, okay. I was
0: really okay. pressed upon me
3: to, to attempt to do it. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with its result.
0: Yeah, which which leads me to this question. So, how do you write a book entitled "An Imitation," when we have so little that we know about Saint Joseph, so little data? Yeah, and that's why I, I took the path of
3: making sure that I I understood, as any man does, uh, if he's being honest with himself. How many how many things do you have in your own personal life that you do because your father did?
1: Oh yeah, big right? time. Are you kidding me? Yeah good and bad, right?
3: Sometimes you have things you wish you didn't imitate. Sometimes you're very grateful for the things that you do. We're mimetic creatures. We imitate those who come before us. And then as we get older, we choose our teachers to some degree. um, And we begin to imitate the things that we see in them to some degree and want to have the virtues they possess if we're good men. Um, But fatherhood gets down deep into our bones, so deep that it's it's almost impossible to eradicate um, the way in which those instructive bits of formation, um, for good or for ill, uh, lay themselves down in us. And so Joseph had a father and he had a father and he had a father. So what I did is I went back in the scriptures and assumed that if Joseph is a just man, because the first man is called just in scripture, of course, is Noah. And what did Noah say when God commanded Noah to do something? Nothing.
0: That's it. Right. (laughs) Good point. You're
3: You're told to build an ark. Which is larger than a football field,
0: yeah. right? Yeah.
3: And you got a few sons. That's it. Incredible. Um, and instead of saying, I, "Did I hear you correctly? What are you saying?" This is impossible, and I can't do this, et cetera, et cetera. Every possible excuse that we all give for not wanting to do what the Lord asks of us, and it just says that Noah got up and built an ark, and that connection between Noah's silence, which you, is all the way through until he gets out of the ark, he never says a word. His silence all the way, just obedient, as you said, working with his hands. There's Noah, right, mm-hmm. speaking with his mm-hmm. hands. Um, and then ultimately, he's called a just man. So that got my mind thinking about the way in which the scriptures themselves are interpreting who this character Joseph is. They're taking the patriarchs of old and their virtues while, as, while putting aside their their fallenness or their their failures and seeing in Joseph in some ways the summation of the patriarchs. So I just selected a number of patriarchs to go through and ask myself the question if Joseph saw them, what did he see? What did he imitate?
0: What did he embody?
1: So Father, you just you, you, know.
0: you just said a bad word to the
1: cultural left. Exactly. Patriarch. Oh yeah.
0: This is exactly oh, no. yeah, this is exactly what the battle is in America right now and in the in Western civilization. Uh, th- these anarchists hate patriarchy, uh, and, and they're, tr- they're just trying to sow confusion into family life. They're trying to effeminize men. Uh, they're trying to just b- breed confusion into young people to question their gender. Yeah, y- y- you just said a word right now that just triggers the cultural left. Patriarchy, but I love it. I do too. I mean, this is exa- this comes from God, and this is exactly the way God exactly. has established order in society and in the, in the family. When it's, of course, you know, when it's when it's lived, we're not talking about machismo. We're not talking about, you know, we're talking about uh, patriarchy according to God's design. So I'm just glad that you keep using that word because, boy, oh boy, uh that's exactly the problem with America right now. Is we've lost a sense of patriarchy.
3: What? Every age has its own blindnesses, right?
0: Right, of course.
3: And I'm not trying to use the term to be incendiary. It's just that because it's the very thing that we've lost, I think it's one of the reasons that devotion to St. Joseph is growing so rapidly. Yes.
1: Exactly. And that, Father, that's where I was going with this question. There's millions of men who grew up without a father in their home. Mm. Right. And this book, and this devotion to St. Joseph, I want to ask you, don't it make sense to embrace Saint Joseph as their spiritual father
3: absolutely absolutely, and to give it some to give it some real clothing too and in other words, you just don't want to have joseph as as an imaginary figure yeah. um,
1: look to his you know, virtues this, right
3: absolutely well his virtues but also there's there's scenes in the scriptures even as yeah. as as few as they are that make you really get some sense of the character of the man I mean take the instance of of our lady when when she's found with child right everyone loves to say popularly from the pulpit unfortunately that saint joseph you know thought she cheated on him et cetera. Et cetera.
1: father hang on we got a quick break i want to hear the rest of that insight of hey, of enough, of it. it's a good time for a teaser you're listening to the terry and jesse show we're too blessed to be stressed we're too anointed to be disappointed stay with us family
2: we'll be right back Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Get the book. Get the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything about St. Joseph, especially from Tan. Father oh, Matthew Koth. Yeah. we have him here. We're talking about his book, Imitation of St. Joseph. Men, get the book. Women, get the book. Get this book for your husband. Get this book for your children. Go to tanbooks.com. bookscom is called Imitation of St. Joseph by Father Matthew Kopp. Terry, you're asking Father Father, you were in the
1: middle of telling us a great story about the scriptures. I, I was hoping we could get right back into it. We got interrupted. Go ahead.
3: Absolutely. Sure. So it's typically said from um, priests and lay alike yeah. that the response that Joseph has when he finds our lady with child. Yeah is that he assumes, of course, that she has been unfaithful to him. And that that conclusion has been drawn by some of the early fathers of the church. But it's not the most prevalent one, nor is it the one that was selected by John Paul II when he wrote the Redeemer. Right. The, the yes. Guardian of the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was specifically inciting the more prevalent conclusion, which I find very plausible. Mm-hmm that, of course, Joseph realizes that there's something going on that's too great for him. And this is what I want to speak about relative to persons knowing St. Joseph, because ultimately we don't have virtues in a vacuum, right? Virtues are exercised in particular choices in very difficult situations in life. And for the young men, the fathers, the the older men who desire to have a father like St. Joseph, it's helpful, terribly helpful if they actually get to know his character. A character that was worked on in real situations. So, in this particular one, what I find fascinating is that Joseph has two different things that cannot be reconciled. It's kind of like coming up two different sides of a, of a roof, right? You don't see the gable. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, he knows about her. Like he knows her, her purity, her goodness, her perfection. And he also knows that she's pregnant. How does that go together? He can't necessarily reconcile that in his mind. And so he backs away, realizing that this thing is too great for him. That's not the same thing mm-hmm. as thinking. She's unfaithful, but it's realizing that the ceiling that you have of your reason only goes so far. That the reconciliation point between reason um, that has two per- two particular things that seem irreconcilable, they do meet, and they meet in this case only for Saint Joseph because he received revelation. And so often it's the case that men, deliberating about something to do, need to have recourse to prayer because it says that Saint Joseph was while he was considering this. But we, we depict the whole thing as a dream, or even transit it as a dream, but how do you consider something? roll over something in your mind, and then you find yourself asleep? I don't think so. I think it's that, that that sort of circumlocution or or softening of the language to say that Joseph is having a bit of a vision here. while he was asleep, the angel came to him. I think while Joseph was deeply considering this and, and pondering this reality, he has this experience, which is almost dreamlike of someone coming to him and revealing that you don't have to be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why would you be afraid? This is fear of the Lord. Amen. This is what the just man done. Amen. This is Peter backing away from our Lord after the catch of fish, fish saying, I am I'm an unworthy man, depart from me, Lord. This is Elizabeth backing away from our lady saying, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This isn't a question of, of Joseph finding the least bit of fault in her.
1: Well said, Father, I love it. Of all the beautiful meditations of St. Joseph, which one do you find the most edifying to write about that helps you emulate St. Joseph?
3: Wow. I, a I had a, question. it's a big question. When I wrote the book, I, I run the seminary and we're right in the middle of the campaign to try to build a chapel and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's it's hard to find time to write, and I, I teach at the seminary as well. So it's it's a it's trying to carve space for something like this was challenging, but at the same time, really, um, really helpful for me as a as a priest as a rector. Um, so I would take a different scene from Saint Joseph, whether it's something I knew he encountered, or whether it was a passage from scripture, and use that oftentimes as my meditation for the day. And if I received any light by thinking about it praying about it, then I would just get 20 minutes and type something up. And so I had so many vignettes that were impactful for me and really moved me personally that I just hadn't considered before. But I think that the one that always gets me the most um, is the scene, well, two scenes. One, of course, is, is thinking about Joseph at, at Bethlehem, um, not just in the preparation um, of trying to make a space but then what happens when the shepherds are gone? What happens when uh, before the madrag come? What happens you know, as they stay up night at that night, just staring at this child? Or maybe our lady's asleep and Joseph being able to, to sort of crawl up next to the child on his own and, and just stare <laughs> at a door. Yeah. I, that, that, that passage there fascinates me because it's very much in some sense what I experienced as a priest because Joseph is the first man that held the son of God, right? Yes. And that's what that's what priests do. Exactly. I
1: mean,
3: my hands all the time.
1: Exactly. Wow. So that
3: kind of connection, I think moved me terribly.. Good. Um, and another one that was a bit more painful, I guess, is when they find our Lord in the temple. and when Christ says, "Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? It is a kind of separation at that point from Joseph. Like in other words, if if you have an adopted child, you don't even think to yourself anymore, after a time that this is simply not your child, because it is your child. You're imparting form to the child. Mm -hmm. Even though you didn't give the child his genetic makeup, you still are imparting form all the time. This is your son, this is your daughter, for anyone I'm sure who's had the experience of adopting children. And this is Joseph's son in every way, shape and form, except the fact that um, he happens to be also the son of God. Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, But to hear the Lord say that, After Joseph's been looking for him, it seems like a big affront, a cutoff. Like this is I'm about my father's business, and ultimately he is my father. And that that must, even though he went down and was obedient to them, that must have been a very difficult thing to receive, a word difficult to receive. And yet again, purifying the same kind of thing that happens to our lady at the wedding feast of Cana, right? What is this to you and to me? And he, he puts this kind of distance between them both to protect them, but at the same time, um, because they have to, they're shifting in their, their she's a handmaid and then she's, then she's a mother and then she's a widow. And then she's the mother of the church. She has to shift in her vocation to each movement of God's grace and does so, does so beautifully and perfectly, but so does he. Cause he's going to understand a shift here. That's going to take place in his own fatherhood. Beautiful.
0: Father, do you, Uh, What do you hope people who read the book will will glean in turning to Joseph, the patron of the universal church? Uh, There's so much chaos right now and so much uncertainty in America, elections, people's personal lives, uh, you know, open borders, drugs coming here and untold numbers. So what do you hope people who read your book, what are they going to glean in in terms of turning to St. Joseph?
3: So for the motto of the seminary for St. Joseph, I I took all the texts of the mass and the prayers of St. Joseph, and I just read them all over and over and over. And the one that really came out to me was the thing I guess I would answer your question with. The angel does say to St. Joseph, Noliti Mere, no? um, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I think that that's the phrase often stated by John Paul II, right? Exactly opening words don't be afraid and I think that everyone is deathly afraid and it's rather ironic because we don't we don't live very long at the end of the day Joseph was on the earth such a short time and yet what an unbelievably and almost infinite impact that he has as the universal patron of the church why because he didn't just fold up his tent and sit there and say there's nothing I can do when he gets to Bethlehem and there's no inn for the child, he doesn't just sit down and say, "I'm a failure." That sort of weak need um, and sort of feckless response to the trials that we're undergoing right now in the in the world, in our country, in the church. We don't need to be so so lacking in courage. Give what you have. Watch for the Lord to open the door for you to do what he's asking you to do to contribute to something in your small area, right? I'm going to ask to overcome the world. The Lord has already done that. So be of good cheer. I just have the little garden that I'm given, but I will be responsible for making sure I protect until that garden. So I think that to give them a certain amount of hope, uh, a call to arms, a bit of courage, to Say, I've got a job to do, and it doesn't matter even ultimately if I if I am terribly successful, as Matrice used to say, so long as I'm faithful.
0: Amen. Well, get the book, uh, it's called The Imitation of Saint Joseph from 10 Books, written by Father Matthew Kauf. The Imitation of Saint Joseph, go to 10books.com. 10books.com. Uh, this is one that should be in every single Catholic man's in their shelf and not in your, not in your hand. You should be reading this book. Uh, I just, I just love the title imitation of St. Joseph. I mean, I've heard the imitation of Christ. Most of us say, well, he's God, he's perfect. He didn't have concupiscence. How can I imitate Jesus? I mean, this is just like a, this is just a, you know, way beyond my pay grade. But when you say St. Joseph I said, OK, all right, he's a human being, part of the human family. He, he's not divine. He's not full of grace. He's not immaculately conceived. All right. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe there there's a, a possibility that I can imitate St. Joseph. So I think the title was brilliant, Father. Yeah.
1: Uh, Terry, you got any questions? I just have my last thought is we have a lot of men's movements that are called at, calling upon St. Joseph as the name of. The men's groupments. it seems like today, this mm-hmm. is, you know, we got Christmas coming up. Mom's yeah. listening to the show and going, what can I give my husband? <laughs> you get it, Father? Yes, I'm in sales. I'm not in management, Father, like you are. So I want to <laughs> sell the book for you. Go to Tam Books. Uh, get the book for your husband because I think he's gonna, it's going to help your husband love you, the wives, better uh, because of your devotion to St. Joseph. Is that a fair statement, Father?
3: absolutely absolutely as a matter of fact you know we were fortunate enough not only to start this seminary and the proceeds of the book go to the seminary by the way don't come to me um but also we were very fortunate to have a group of religious sisters that began at the same time and when you say it helps a man to love uh his wife better having the religious sisters here at the seminary is such an incredible um assistant to their formation because the way they treat the sisters the way they care for the sisters is the way they're going to care for the church and so we get to learn hands-on in that sense by by attempting to inculcate the virtues of St. Joseph in the life that we lead here at the seminary. Wow,
1: Father Matthew, thank you for this interview. We've got to run now, but people can go to Tam Books to pick up his book, The Imitation of St. Joseph. I can tell you, in my part, Father, you've inspired me to love St. Joseph more. Right. Because thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule. to God love you. Up next, i got some big news coming here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Good news here on the terry and jesse show stay with us
2: welcome back to the terry and jesse show to join the conversation call 888-526-2151 now here's terry and jesse
1: welcome back Jess had to run to a doctor's appointment he's doing fine as you can hear uh, this, uh, before I give some big news, I want to just run by six things you should do before Mass. Because, you know, the Mass is the source and summit of the Christian life. Don Bosco says this to the young people. Try to be early for Mass. Always a few minutes spend before Mass can open up your soul to the wonderful graces. In other words, before Mass, think about what you're going to. Calvary. You're going to be present at that one eternal sacrifice. That in itself should make you think, wow, I'm going into something heavy. Yeah, the Mass. Number two, when you enter or leave the church, take holy water and sign yourself with the sign of the cross. Very simple, but you know, a lot of people forget about that today, especially in this COVID time. Number three, always genuflect when you enter and leave your seat. This is an act of adoration to the Almighty God present in the tabernacle. So take time to genuflect reverently, facing the altar saying, my Lord and my God, as your right knee touches the floor. Are you kidding me? How Right knee touches the floor. My Lord and my God. Why? Because that's who it is. I think it would be a good idea to bring that back. Number four, don't talk in church unless it's absolutely necessary. Talk only to Jesus. It is Him you have come to visit. Don't talk as you leave either. Some people may be still praying. I hear that all the time. They're disrupting people by talking about hey mike who's going to win the football game no no that's outside number five listen to the sermon it is a message from god which could bear much fruit for you in other words seeing the scriptures that were just read how does this homily the script, the sermon apply to my own life how does it take this take these readings from the mass and apply it to you also Uh, Don't try. Don't start to leave church until the priest has returned to the sacristy. Stay. uh, Say to thank God for the graces you've received in Him in Holy Communion. You know, one of the things I will say about that is, our Lord is present for the next fifteen minutes inside of you, physically present with the Holy Eucharist. So we do acts of of thanksgiving. That's so important. Okay, here's my big news. Are you ready? Good news. First of all, Uh, this is. Again, I was talking Friday about the U.S. Catholic bishops. I'm so happy that the bishops chose Oklahoma City Archbishop as the next secretary over the pro-LGBT Cardinal Tobin. Yeah, see, they made some really good decisions. Bishop Strickland will be coming on tomorrow at this time. He'll talk about the bishops' conference, but the Archbishop Paul Coakley, who I have met at a conference up in Northern California, and I believe is a good man. I was impressed with him has a history of supporting the church doctrine on life and sexuality, and has said that politicians who support abortion and same sex marriage should be denied the Holy Eucharist. What's happening at this conference is we're replacing uh men of uh in the bishop's leadership with some good men who are actually uh at odds of the world when it comes to moral teachings of the church so uh he was elected by a hundred and thirty to one o four and so I'm really pleased with that. Another good news story. Bishop Joseph, no, Bishop Snyder, Athanasius Snyder. Yeah, he's our pro-life, pro-life bishop. He actually w- led a Vienna Rosary Rally. They have it every week out there in Vienna. And um, I saw it on LifeSite News, and I thought, well, that's great news that he'd take the time to go and lead the people praying the rosary because, let's be honest, we're all on the same page him, Bishop Strickland, and also Archbishop Vigano, who also has some good news when saying that the Universal Masonic Brotherhood fears the power of the Holy Rosary. And this is what he's telling us, and this is good news. Hold in your hands the rosary that some consider a symbol of religious radicalism, thereby seeking to disarm and weaken your defense. But it's precisely this fear of the rosary that must lead us to hold on to it with even greater conviction. And I say this because, I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a house in West Covina that has a five and a half foot statue of the Blessed Mother. It's been there for 25 years. Well, somebody complained about it. The city's telling me, hey, you can't have that statue in your front yard. Well, I can either say, okay, no problem, or... Say, what What code am I violating? Am I on the easement part? I'll move the statue back a few feet. But I will not remove my religious symbol at my house. And they're going to find they ran into the wrong dude. Because this is not the time to compromise with the world when it comes to our Catholic faith. And, you know, a guy next door or to, across the street, he can have the symbol of Satan and it's fine. But if we have something that's religious and Christian, they're going to go after us. So why do I say it's good news? Because it gives me an opportunity to share my Catholic faith with the city officials, which I already did. I said, you know, we're living in a culture where the Supreme Court, one of the Supreme Court justices couldn't figure out the difference between a man and a woman. And this is the society we're in right now. We've got to push back and say, no, no, no. We know what a man is. We know what a woman is. For thousands of years, we've known that. What's happened is, I'll tell you what's happened, folks, and this is why we have to push back we stopped speaking up for our Catholic faith. We have to take the secular world and say, no, 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 we're not going to follow that. We're going to influence you rather than what's been happening in the last 50 or 60 years where the culture has been influencing the church to compromise. Compromise, again, uh, doesn't work. We know, as I shared, the Associated Press recently ran a story of the collapse of the Methodist church and other Protestant churches because they tried to become more relevant as a church, you know we could have ordained ministry with women, we could have same sex marriage, yeah, we can kill unborn babies, yeah, we'll bring more people in what would happen though is it did the other it did just the opposite. the more irrelevant it came to the the the, the cult the- customers that were coming to church, they left the church, so we should learn. From our Protestant brothers that a, a trendy, to be trendy is a recipe for suicide. So that's why I want to encourage people to stand up for the faith. Also, I want to take a couple minutes. We didn't do a whole week long uh, fundraising letter, but I did, I mean a week of fundraising. I did send a email out to everybody who's on our list requesting some funds at the end of the year. I know the election's over. A lot of people were giving money there. I know the times are tough economically. But if you're in a position to support us, uh, don't forget, we'll get you the Bishop Sheen uh, priest retreat like we had Father Matthew on today. I'm going to make sure all those seminarians that Father has will get copies of Fulton Sheen's priest retreat because that's going to build the future of the church. Now, we've been involved in giving thousands of these away to priests over the last 30 or 40 years. We're not a Johnny-come-late. We've been at this for 40-some years sharing the gospel why because it's important uh because life is short and eternity is forever so if you'd like to give a donation go to vmpr.org as a matter of fact i'd like you to do it as a sacrificial living because remember the gospel today the widow's might. you know your five dollars your ten dollars goes a long ways with us and you might be in a position to write a thousand dollar check a five thousand dollar check well i'll thank you in advance you can, you can call me on my cell phone. I take people's calls all the time, 661 972 I've got several people who I counsel who are pregnant and de- delivering a baby, and they're challenged by it and not wanting to do that, that we help them make the right decision. That's because you support us to do that. Right now we're having a funeral at our chapel. They're praying the rosary there. We made our chapel available for that for people hundreds of times a year. We are involved in apostolic work of the church because we know life is short and eternity is forever. My cell number, 661 972 If you just want to call the office, toll free. You don't have to pay a penny. 877-526-2151. Become a monthly donor at $25 or more a month, and we send you hundreds of dollars worth of downloads by some of the great speakers of the church, Fulton Sheen, Dr. Uh, Scott Hahn, we've got Tim Staples, we've got Father Bill Casey. These are all good formation uh, downloads for your Catholic faith because we do know that life is short and eternity is forever. So I just took in two or three minutes a whole week of fundraising and I hope I don't have to ask because you can tell I'm not really excited about asking for donations or I'd be doing it more often. But we need them now. Uh, go to vmpr.org or call us at 877- Also, I just want to remind you that uh, tomorrow Bishop Strickland will be on after the Terry and Jesse show talking about Christ the King and the feast day that we celebrated yesterday. And I think you're going to be surprised to hear what Bishop Strickland has to say about Christ the King and what it said and what he didn't realize that was the church teaching. Like many of us, we've got to go back to some of these older documents and read them and see, wow, this is powerful. Again, I want to thank everybody who supports us. This is our sixth year. You know that uh, we were on national radio. We were taken off. Jess and I were a little too, let's just say, over the top. Uh, we thank Stations of the Cross and other Catholic networks that are keeping us on the air. You can always get our our, our app uh, by going to the App Store on your, on your phone, vmpr.org, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Get the app. You get uh, all kinds of downloads there, and uh, I just want to say I appreciate everything people have done for us in these years. Because you know we got knocked down, but we got up. Why? Because Jesus got up, and we're going to share the gospel for as long as we can. And I can make you a promise: we'll never teach anything that's contrary to the teachings of Christ and His Church. We will not accept anything, whether it comes from the mag, the uh, excuse me, the Pope, who says something that's not consistent with the magisterial teachings, we know we have to, he can't change what the church teaches. A bishop can't, a priest can't, you can't. This is the deposit of faith that we preach here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We will always do that. We'll never compromise. Why? Because compromise is the language of the devil. Also, I want to remind all of everyone that uh, we have uh, Advent coming up now. And uh, here, if you're locally, we're having, class, we're having a, a Thursday night Bible study with Mass here at our chapel to prepare for the coming of Christ. And again, one more good bit of news that I thought was interesting. Uh, Twitter reinstated Donald Trump, Jordan Peterson, and others. And uh, I thought that was good because now we can have a little bit more free speech on the Internet. I wish YouTube would do the same thing because we're not able to put this show on YouTube. Because of our statements on things that they don't like. But you know what? That's not going to stop us from preaching the Word of God. Jesse, if you were here, I'd say, Jess, what state should we be living in? And Jess would say, the state of grace. How do we get there? Get the confession on a regular basis. Especially with Advent coming up. I'm, I've scheduled my confession Saturday morning. Because I know there are going to be a priest there. Don't forget, Our Lady of Fatima said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. How do we evangelize? By our actions and by our prayers. That's the best way to reach people with the good news of Christ and his church. May God richly bless you. And thanks again for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And up next is the guys from the Knights of Columbus. Talk about their good work that they're doing here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you and your family.